Bea, you're looking very, very lovely today. <laughs> Thank you, Gordon. <laughs> uh, good to see you all. Good to see you all. I'm going to be speaking, well, actually, today is the first of a series of messages based on, based around Acts, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. I wanted to start, because this is the first, because this is the first Sunday, I wanted to start by uh, covering a little bit of stuff to do with seed time and harvest. So I wanted to look at, just briefly, some of the feasts that the Jewish people celebrated in Jesus' time, and they still celebrate. They do. They definitely do, don't they, Janine? And so there's four that I want to talk about. And one of them, the first one is Passover. And Passover was a day where the lambs were sacrificed and it had its foundation back in Moses' time. And following that, the next day actually was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that was a week-long feast, but it started the day after Passover. And what happened with that was that leaven, or yeast, was removed from the home. So they wouldn't have anything that had any yeast in it. And it's interesting because yeast signifies decay or sin. So this feast re um, signified a week, week of sanctification, or the removal or cleansing of, of sin or be, being set aside for God in holiness. And following that was a feast of first fruits, and that was the day after that one, starting then. And this is where thanks was given to God for the first fruits of the harvest, and the first sheaf of the harvest was given to the Lord. Now, I haven't been brought up knowing a lot of this stuff, but so please forgive me if I'm slightly wrong with, with this, but I've done my best to try and research it as best I can, so hopefully I'm reasonably correct. Uh, and then, so that was what often the first, the, well, the first uh, harvest was barley, and then a, a full seven weeks later, or 50 days actually, was the Feast of Weeks, or the wheat harvest. And it's sometimes called the feast or the week of weeks. So in other words, seven lots of seven, um, which is 49. And then you, you have the day that it kind of started, so it makes 50. And did you know that Pentecost is the Greek name for 50th? Yeah, some of us know that. And this was a celebration of the first wheat harvest of the year and offerings were made to the Lord on that day as well. Now, I want to start by giving, talking to you about a scripture that Jesus actually spoke in John 12, 24. Now, this is from the Passion Translation. He said, let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat all because one grain died. And there are three aspects to sowing and reaping. 
first you have to have a seed. And then the seed is sown or planted. And then thirdly, you reap a harvest. So I want to go back to those Jewish feasts. Passover. This was a day when the Passover lambs were sacrificed. Did you know that Jesus became a sacrifice for our sins at Passover? In 1 John 29, John the Baptist proclaimed Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then the next day, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, where leaven was removed from the home, a week of sanctification, Jesus was buried in the tomb on that first day. And then the Feast of First Fruits, this began the day after that. This is where thanks was given to the Lord for the first fruits of the harvest, the first fruits. And that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. He was the first fruits. He was the first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That's cool, isn't it? I just love how God is so perfect. Even though we don't realize it, we don't see it, and we don't see it until we look back on it in hindsight. But God is so mathematically perfect, which blows my mind. <laughs> because it's, see, as a math teacher, yeah. <laughs> because God, it might seem like things are happening at random times, but nothing's ever random with God. God is exact. God is perfect. And you know the cool thing is the Feast of Weeks, a full 50 days later. This is a celebration of the first wheat harvest where offerings are made to the Lord. That's the day when the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Matthew three eleven to 12, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me, in other words, Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And guess what it says in the next verse? His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. And that's the Feast of Weeks for the wheat harvest. There's nothing random about that. There's nothing random about that. It's really interesting, isn't it, that this scripture is talking about the harvesting and gathering of wheat. You know, often wheat is the word used to describe humanity, the gathering of people that, know, you know, that choose to know God. So what does that have to do with seed time and harvest or sowing and reaping? Remember I said before there are three aspects. There's seed that's planted and then it's harvested. 
Well, Jesus was that single seed of wheat. He was the perfect seed. And John 12, 24 says, unless the single grain drops into the ground and dies. That's talking about planting or sowing a seed. And Jesus was that single seed that was crucified and buried. Jesus was that seed that was planted. The first fruits of the harvest was Jesus, risen from the dead. Wow, that's cool. And then the verse says, then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat. And that's talking about reaping a harvest, all from just that one seed. From Jesus, the perfect seed planted have come billions of souls, I would say, by now. By now. Matthew 3.12, as I said before, is, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. That's a harvest of souls. So in regards to the Acts of the Apostles, the early church, the book of Acts starts be- just before Jesus ascended to heaven and covers around about the first 30 years of the early church. And before ascending to heaven, Jesus told the disciples to stay in Jerusalem because they, he knew that, that he would be sending the Holy Spirit. He said, until they are endued with power from on high, Luke 24, 49 says that. And what is the source of that power? It's the Holy Spirit. So Acts 1, 8 says, this is Jesus speaking too. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And we know that the end of the earth essentially is New Zealand. (laughs) It's recognized, isn't it, as being polar opposite, which is cool. So even to New Zealand, it says in the Bible. <laughs> the source of that power. I think we, we sometimes read these scriptures and we don't really take it in fully. But there's also layers upon layers upon layers of revelation too that, that God gives us. Uh, the cool thing about the Bible or the word of God, and we know that Jesus is the word of God, but there's multiple layers of revelation. And so you can read a scripture one day and it will mean something and then you can read it another day and it will be something else that will complement that first thing you had a revelation about. That's the cool thing about the word of God. But he said, Jesus said, you shall receive power. Hmm. That could be useful, couldn't it? (laughs) You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. Everywhere and and to the ends of the earth, the end of the earth. So the disciples did what Jesus said and they waited in Jerusalem. There was 120 of them in all. Do you know that that they they were waiting there? It may not have occurred to them that on the 50th day, the Holy Spirit would come 
But God, in his perfect timing, came that day. And it was the Holy Spirit that propelled the early church into action. And it's because they received power on that day. It says in Acts 2 that there was a sound of a strong wind from heaven. I'm going to read a little bit of it it to you. So Acts 2, I'll start from verse 1. Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. What does one accord mean? It means together in unity. Eh? They were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Have you ever been in a place where the wind is so strong that it has that, that sound as it's passing your ears, and you can hear it, eh? That's what that was like. It was a sound of a rushing, mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, it doesn't say anything about how everybody's papers got blown on the floor or anything like that. <laughs> we don't know. It might have just been the sound. It might not have been actually blowing everything everywhere. That would, be, that would be an extraordinary sign, wouldn't it, from God. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was what happened. <laughs> God's a God of signs and wonders. And then there appeared, in verse 3, there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The really interesting thing is that They weren't the only ones that heard that, that sound. There were people in Jerusalem that had come for the feast, for Pentecost. There were people, lots of people came to Jerusalem. And it says here, when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. A multitude isn't just a few people, it's heaps, <laughs> heaps of people. <laughs> And were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Because what had happened was there were people visiting Jerusalem that had come to, to, for the feast. And they'd come from all different countries of the world and they all spoke different languages. And the amazing thing was that when they heard these people speaking, they were speaking in their tongue. That's amazing. And it says here, they were all amazed and marveled. They were very surprised. (laughs) They were marveling and they said, look, aren't all these people Galileans? Aren't these people all Wellingtonians? Wellingtonians? (laughs) People that have lived here the whole life and only know how to speak one language? How is it that we hear each in our own language? And so they were amazed and perplexed, it says in verse 12. And But others, now there's always got to be a few other people that are a bit negative. And they were mocking and saying they're full of new wine. 
despite the fact that it was like 8.30 in the morning or 9 a.m. Yeah. Anyway. Now, Peter, one of the apostles. Now, I want you to remember that he was the one that denied Jesus three times in Luke 22. He denied him. And when he realized, he wept bitterly for doing that. But he spoke boldly this day. He stood up and boldly spoke. And he said, these people aren't drunk, as you are saying. It's only the third hour of the day, he said. And then he went on and spoke what the prophet Joel had prophesied. And he went and continued to explain what had happened. He went back and explained how Jesus was the Messiah. And then he said in verse 38 of chapter 2, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, Verse 41 says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Even in our day, 3,000 souls is a large number, isn't it? But back then, 3,000 souls would have been a huge amount of people, a huge amount of people. Populations exploded since then. But back then, 3,000 souls. That's awesome, eh? 3,000 souls were saved that day. Yeah. The cool thing is, verse 43, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. That's cool. That's very cool. If you, if you, if you spend a bit of time uh, meditating on that, that's awesome. Some versions say a deep sense of awe came over them all. Now, do you know what awe is? It's not really a word we use a lot. It's a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. And that's because God was moving in ways that they couldn't explain in human terms. He was moving in ways that they couldn't explain. They witnessed people being filled with the Holy Spirit. They witnessed people that they had known previously becoming very, very bold. Peter, for example, preached a powerful message. He didn't have time to prepare that message. He didn't know that, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to come tomorrow. I'd better get my message prepared for my sermon. <laughs> he opened his mouth and the, and the Holy Spirit filled it. And do you know what? When the Holy Spirit fills your mouth, it brings conviction. It says that those who heard it were cut to the heart and they genuinely repented. And also other things that were, couldn't be explained, large numbers of people choosing salvation in a really short space of time. People were speaking in boldness and honesty and many wonders and signs done, impossible to be explain in human terms. And so in, verse, in chapter 3, here's, an, here's a really cool example. 
There was a man who had been lame since birth, so he couldn't walk ever since he was young. And he had to be carried everywhere. And it says in chapter 3 that they would carry him every day to the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. That's the name of the temple. To ask for money from those who entered the temple. So he, he, that, he did that every day. And Peter and John were, were going to the temple to pray. They were going there. And Peter said, look at us. And the man looked at them, expecting them to give him some money. But he said, I don't actually have any money, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, he grabbed him by the right hand, and he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. <laughs> oh, wow, that's so cool. It says here, <laughs> And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was the guy that sat at the gate every day asking for money. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That's cool, isn't it? So if you think about this, Jesus has been on the earth. He was, his, his ministry was for about three years. He was crucified. That devastated the disciples. Then he rose from the dead and started appearing to them. He ate with them. He even said, put your finger in my hand since you don't believe it, to one of them. <laughs> and he, but he wasn't bound by physical restraints. He was able to um, appear amongst them. So he wasn't bound down by that anymore, like, like we know, the way that we know. The cool thing is that if Jesus hadn't done that, if he hadn't died on the cross, if, he, if the Holy Spirit hadn't been sent to fill us, then we wouldn't be, it would, we, we, it had to happen, didn't it? It really had to happen. It really had to happen because the Holy Spirit is needed to fill us with power. Do you know what? The, the amazing thing is that uh, all the, the fact that they'd gone to the temple to pray, this man had been there, asked for money, he'd been there every single day for years, never once had anyone... done anything that caused him to be miraculously healed. And then it turns out that Peter and John on that day went to the temple to pray and he was raised and made whole. And the cool thing is <laughs> that he did it, that they did it and he was at the temple because <laughs> that actually um, forced the temple leaders or the, the 
the scribes and, and so forth to be confronted by this, by this thing that they were trying to stomp out. That's the, that's the kind of freaky thing, eh? Is that they thought they were right. And we need to be very careful that we aren't so closed in our mind that we think that we're right. We need to always be, uh, have our minds, um, we always need to be open to hearing things that we not, might not have thought were correct. But, you know, in these days, God is going to be moving in strange ways. And it's going to be ways that might make us feel rather uncomfortable. Let's just be honest. It'll be ways that, that we might freak out and feel extremely uncomfortable with. Yeah, good. That's good, Brownie. I'm glad you're looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So it says here that, okay, so he spoke to the people. Yeah, so that the, the guy was healed. The, the man was healed. He, everyone was like, what the heck? Did you see that guy? He's the one that was. He's the one that's been sitting there for forty years. What has? What on earth has happened? Did you see him? He's running around praising God, and everyone was absolutely amazed. And Peter took the opportunity to explain. Well, this is what happened. So, in chapter three of Acts, verse twelve, it says, "When Peter saw that, he responded to the people." Why are you marveling at this? Why are you looking so intently at us as, by, as if it was our power that did it? It wasn't our power that did it. It was the power of Jesus. Jesus was the one. And then again he said, Repent and be converted so that your sins may be blotted out in verse 19. Yeah, praise the Lord. Do you know what happened after that? The priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them in verse in chapter 4, verse 1, they were greatly disturbed. They were greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Not, not, don't worry about the fact that an amazing miracle had just been done in their temp, near their temple, temple gate. And guess what they did? They arrested them. They laid hands on them and put them in custody in the next, until the next day. It says, however, many of those who had heard the word believed and a number of the men came to be about 5,000. So you can't stop God by arresting people that are anointed. <laughs> you cannot. There's no way. <laughs> it says on the next day, they said, by what power or by what name have you done this? And Peter said, filled with the Holy Spirit, it says in verse 8 of chapter 4, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if, this, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to the helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. <laughs> he was bold and he wasn't afraid to tell them of their errors. 
which I thought was very good because we, I really can't stand political correctness because it's um, rubbish in my opinion. You might disagree with me, but that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> political correctness stops us being bold. Political correctness stops us from saying things in love, of course, but saying the truth. And it's not a good thing, and we need to break out of that. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so what happened? He said, there is, he said, there is not salvation in any other. He's basically saying it's only by Jesus that this can happen, and he's the only way you can be saved. And then when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. So there, there we go, another sign. And they realized they'd been with Jesus and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, that they, they could actually say nothing because the man was there. He was all excited. But do you know what they did? They conferred amongst themselves, it says. In other words, they put Peter and John out and then had a little meeting. What are we going to do with this guy? He's just causing trouble. How are we going to get rid of him? How are we going to stifle them? I know, we can't, we can't actually do anything really though because they've done this amazing miracle and we can't deny that. Notice how hard their hearts are? Goodness me. <laughs> we need to make sure we're not doing that, eh? So do you know what they did? They commanded them in verse 18 not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John said, well, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard so when they had further threatened them, so they said, in other words, we have to obey God, not you. Which is so true, isn't it? Yep. So what did they do? They just threatened them a bit more and then let them go because there wasn't anything they could do. It says the man that was healed was over 40 years old. That's amazing. So they rejoiced with that. That's really cool. So you'll notice that there is, uh, in these early chapters, they're very bold. Incredible miracles were happening. Signs and wonders were happening. Things that couldn't be explained in human terms. They were getting a bit of persecution, though. And that, that, that is what happens. But we just need to be prepared for that. They threatened them there quite a few times, actually. You know what? We're entering a time that's going to be like the book of Acts. And it's going to be a time where we believers will be fearless, where we will be bold, where we will be courageous, where we'll be fully engaged and know how to operate in the authority that we've been given by Jesus, by Jesus Christ himself, and by the whole power of the Holy Spirit, we'll be doing what Jesus did. We'll be doing good and healing all those who are oppressed by the devil, as it says in Acts 10.38.
and we will see a huge harvest of souls coming into the kingdom of God. We're going to be seeing signs and wonders. We're going to be seeing, we're going to be having dreams. We're going to be having visions. We're already beginning to have those things now. Healings and miracles will be the norm rather than the exception. People will prophesy. All of those things are happening. And you know what? How does that link to sowing and reaping? Everything we do, everything we say, is sowing a seed of some kind. Seed time and harvest is a law that God put in place back in Genesis. And it, it's, a, it's a law that has continued throughout the whole of time. And it will continue. But what we need to realize is that everything that we do is sowing seed. Okay? So when Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24... If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What he was saying was that we need to, like he did, die to ourself. We need to die to ourself, our own self-absorbing desires, thoughts and actions, and be planted in God, and then a good harvest will be reaped. You know, there's two things that people notice about us, what we do and what we say. And they need to line up, otherwise we'll be labelled hypocrites. Yep. What we say and what we do have to line up. You know, we need to make sure our actions, that we're sowing seed of positive stuff, and our words telling others, and making sure our words are good seeds being sown. Yes, we are entering into a time of acts, but in order to be carriers of God's glory, in order for us to be used of God like the apostles were, we need to be vessels of honour, fit for the master's use. 2 Timothy 2, 20-21 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honour and some for dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honour, sanctified, that means set apart as holy, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So what I ha have to say is, are you prepared? Are you willing to cleanse yourself? Are you willing to be sanctified, to be set apart as holy for the Lord? And if you are, then you will be a vessel of honour. You know that everything, as I said before, what even, what even you do with this message today is your choice, isn't it? We have a choice, we have a will, that's what makes us unique. And we're sowing it and planting seed every day. Just be aware, though, that everything we say is seed, whether it be good or not. <laughs> A harvest will be reaped. It says here in Galatians 6, 7 to 8, Do not be deceived, for God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Whatever you sow, you'll reap. 
Romans 6.23 says the wages or the harvest of sin is death. So think of it as seed time and harvest, the wages. Wages you've got to do something to earn. It's a harvest, isn't it? Because you've sown the seed, you've planted. Sown the seed of sin, planted it, allowed it to grow. It's a harvest. The wages or the harvest of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You know, in Mark 4, uh, 26 to 29, it says the kingdom of God, and this is Jesus speaking again, it says the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. It says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. It says he sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. Do you know why he doesn't know how? Because he doesn't realize that everything he says and everything he does is a seed that he's planting and it will harvest, whether good or bad. So if there's only one thing you take away from this message, know this, everything you do and everything you say is a seed and you are planting it. Not one of us is free from that. So even when we don't realize we're planting it, we're planting it. The law of seed time and harvest set in place in Genesis will ensure that you reap a harvest for the seeds you plant. So it works. It's, it's a law that God put in place. It's, it's, the, it's the way that God made it. What we need to realize is that we need to make sure we're planting the right seed. We need to make sure we're planting the right seed and and. and therefore reaping the right harvest as well. But do you know what? If you've sown bad seed, I hope you're not thinking, oh gosh, I've sown a bit of bad seed. (laughs) You can actually do something about that. Do you know what that would be? You know, God, Jesus died on the cross for you. He died, his blood was shed. And that is the amazing grace that God gives us. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means that God is faithful to make us right again with him, to forgive us and cleanse us. So what we need to do is plead the blood. We need to plead the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ over any bad seed we've sown. The blood of Jesus reverses every part of the curse. You know, we have a covenant with God and we actually, we took communion today and that's a remembering of our, of our covenant that we have with God. There's protection in the blood. There's deliverance in the blood. There's healing in the blood of Jesus. There's all those good things. We just need to praise God for it. And thank him. You know, God knew what he was doing when Jesus died on the cross. He knew what he was doing. It was perfect timing. It was not to say it was an easy thing to do, because it wasn't. But he spoiled the plans of Satan. 
He absolutely took him by surprise completely. You see, Satan doesn't know everything. He's not God. He was an angel. He, is, he was an angel. He's an angelic being turned bad. But he isn't God and he can't see everything. He doesn't know everything. He doesn't have all power. But our God does. The God that we, we love, our Lord Jesus Christ, has all the power. And the cool thing is that Jesus gave us authority over all the enemy's power. <laughs> totally gave us the power over all of that. So we need to decide to be a vessel of honor and repent from sin. You know what? If we think that we don't need to do that, that might mean that we do need to do that. Because it's amazing how you can have hidden attitudes that you don't even realize you're holding. Unhealthy thought patterns. Negative confessions. Be careful what you allow to come out of your mouth. Sinful habits that need to be dealt with. But they can be just little things, little attitudes. The unhealthy thought patterns is a bad one too. That's what you're saying to yourself in your mind. Oh, you're no good. No, that's useless. Nothing you do is any good. That kind of thing. Those unhealthy thought patterns can cause problems because then we start to speak it out. So I just want to finish off by praying and I, I want to give people an opportunity to come up for prayer. Can we maybe have the band up? That'd be awesome. You know, Romans 3.23 says that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody has. The only one that has never sinned was Jesus. And that's why he needed to come, actually, because he was the only one that could be sacrificed to, to cover all of our sin once and for all. And it's our sin that separated us from God. And as I said before, Romans 6.23 says that the wages or the harvest of sin is death. But the cool thing is that the gift of God, and it is a gift, is eternal life through Jesus. And what, even though what we automatically earn from sin is death, God sent his son Jesus to be the sacrifice of mankind's sin so that we no longer had to be separated from God. And Jesus is the only way to remove that separation. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody can come to the Father except through me. The good thing about the Bible is, and the fact that Jesus, that was recorded, is that the word is truth. And we know that that to be the truth. So I want to give an opportunity, first of all, because this is the most important. I want to give an opportunity for people who haven't made a decision for Jesus or who have a while ago and need to recommit. If you're in that position and you would like to make your life right with God, 
what I want you to do is pray this prayer with me. I'm just going to read it out and you can speak it as well. Okay? But we'll get everybody to do it. So if you're in that position, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to say it with all your heart. Dear God, I believe that Jesus died for me so I would no longer be separated from God. I acknowledge that I've done things which are wrong. Please forgive me. I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for sending Jesus to the earth to live as a human, to die on the cross, and to make a, a pathway from me to you. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, if you did pray that prayer, I really, really would like to pray for you. I'd also like to open up the um, area down here for anybody that wants any prayer. If you feel like, if, even if you just want to come and spend some time in God's presence, you're welcome up here. We can just pray a blessing over you. If you need healing for your body, if you need deliverance or any kind of standing in agreement with anything, please come forward. So we'll just start off by singing something, eh?